Come on, girls, do you believe in love? Because I got something to say about it. And he goes something like this. Don't go for a second best, baby. Put your love to the test. You know, you know, you've got to make him express how he feels. And maybe then you'll know your love is real. Express yourself. Hey, hey, lovely beings out there. This is Debbie and you are listening to the Liku Liku podcast. Now, do those lyrics bring back memories? Madonna's iconic 1989 song surely does for me. Now, did you know that that music video had a budget of $5 million, which was the largest at the time, and it's still the third most expensive music video ever made? Wow, so this song was really special for Madonna, right? It's a powerful anthem which has been defined as a female call to arms in communication and self-respect. Now, in Madonna's own words, quote, The ultimate thing behind this song is that if you don't express yourself, if you don't say what you want, then you're not going to get it. And in effect, you are chained down by your inability to say what you feel or go after what you want. Now that's from Madonna, everybody. And this strikes especially close to home with the three of us at Likuliku Podcast. The phrase express yourself is a timeless call to action that will never run out of fashion. Because even though this song came out in 1989, and yes, there have been some progress, right, made towards gender equality, we are nowhere nearly there yet, right? Let's not kid each other here. And, you know, beyond the gender theme, in our current era of mass consumption, materialism, and digital isolation, our creativity and freedom have been largely relegated to the back seat. So it is absolutely crucial for our well-being that we continuously try our best to express ourselves in as many different ways possible, especially non-verbal ways. Because when things don't get expressed properly, holistically, our bodies suffer. Our bodies will eventually become the battlefield of our repressed needs and desires. And then unnecessary pain or pains will be our daily bread. And this is why today we discuss expressive arts therapies as valuable and approachable solutions to end the pain cycle. Thank you for tuning in. And enjoy. Welcome to the Liku Liku podcast. It ain't funny after all. It is the place where we discuss the deeper, less comfortable experience of being human. And we relate with one another to understand how to better live in a world that has stopped making sense. Welcome to our new episode of Reality Bites with Amy D in collaboration with the Liku Liku podcast. It's me again, Amy Dangin, your co-host, and I co-host this show with Alan Karu and Devi Kusardi. Hello. Hi, Amy. Hi, Devi. Hi, everyone. Hola, compadres. Hi. And in this episode, we are talking about more solutions on how to deal with pain. We have had, I think, about three parts, three series, three episodes talking about um, the solutions for pain a lot. So it's obviously a huge topic. And even if we finish this episode, which is solutions for pain, part four, I don't think we'll be able to cover all of what uh, we want to say or we want to share with our audience. But we are trying our best to package them in ways that would be useful for our audience. So bear with us. And speaking of which, we have talked about how we eat. We've talked about how we sense, how we move, how we think even, right? So now we are getting to how we express and how that has a lot to do with how we deal with pain. I mean, how whether or not we express <laughs> enough, right, of our experiences in life and how that can determine how we deal with the pain and the struggles in our life, whether you're dealing with chronic pain, physical pain, or 
psychological, emotional pain that we can barely see or have no identifiable source. Physical cause. <laughs> That's right. right. You almost got it there. <laughs> We're learning. Yeah. yeah, and uh, constantly learning. I mean, even in my own personal experience, there's still a lot of things to learn when it comes to deal with pain. Uh, having kind of start the work in a way, start, start to being aware of the way I'm dealing with my life, with my struggles. I'm slowly realizing that there's still a lot of things to learn. Just like when we talk about pain, it may seem like a very simple topic, but actually, no. Let's start by... What are some of the things that we said in the previous episodes that might be useful to our audience and how we can relate them to what we want to talk about today? Like how pain is more emotion than what we used to think about it, right? right. And, and how dealing with it this, uh, with the same one way or one typical way is mm. not going to do the work. It's not going to do the job of helping us heal our pain, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Dr. Bethany Rains uh, said that pain is an emotion. And so that's one of her focus. So she would know what she's talking about. And um, being an emotion, that means that we have a certain number of tools available rather than if we just think that pain is just a sensation. Right. And obviously, when we talk about emotions, then people are just like, okay, that means, you know, you can do talk therapy. And things like that. But it's best if you tune to the previous episode so you know exactly what we talk about yeah. because we, we actually covered that in detail. And hopefully that will make sense when you listen to it mm -hmm. because it would be easy to be dismissive and just say, oh, you know, of course you can do everything with talk therapy. But there's good reasons why that's not really the case. Right. Very briefly, talking is useful because it's a way to relate to other people but sometimes it can feel limiting because we're not addressing the core emotional needs and in the presence of trauma which has like a, a lot of overlap with these you know mind body syndromes or conditions that don't really have any structural cause in the body there's so much in in common people who have chronic pain often often have traumatic experiences mm -hmm. and trauma is not what people usually think it is mm. it can be things that we think are actually really really small yeah like right. an example would be you know as a kid you just get lost in a supermarket that feels huge to you and you feel like you've lost your mom and in that moment it can create an imprint and it will not necessarily generate an image mm. in your mind that you can remember as as a traumatic memory but it will lodge itself in in the body It's something that's very, very important, right? Yeah. Mm. And I'll give another example, right, of these, these memories that are not having a visual or a story mm. with them. Like, for example, one of my trauma trainers had this reaction that was a little bit over the top when people are getting close to his neck. Mm. And he didn't really have any idea why, why that was. It was just like a knee-jerk reaction. Luckily, he was able to ask his parents, and turns out... When he was born, he, he was entangled in the umbilical cord around his neck. And so he was pretty much choking. Mm. And he became all red because when you come out, the first thing that you want to do as a baby is to stick your first breath when you get slapped around the, the, the butt, right? Yeah. And that's the first cry. Actually, they turn blue when umbilical cord uh, gets wrapped around their neck when they're born. Because mm. I had my own first-hand experience of this when I gave birth to my eldest Of course, oh, I knew that. Wow. I was just checking if you were following wow. me. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, jokes aside, that's, that's a pretty traumatic thing yeah. or a baby to experience yeah. as the first thing that comes out of getting in contact with the outside world, mm. right? And mm. of course, the baby wouldn't remember that because it doesn't have the, the, the brain capacity to be able to generate a whole story, meaning and visuals out of that. It doesn't even have eyes open at that point. And yet... And yet, it gets stored inside the body. Wow, yeah. Right? And so when he was able to know that this was happening, then he was able to do something about it, mm. that traumatic experience, right? But if you just talk about it, what is a person going to find? Nothing, because the person in the room doesn't even know what happened. And in many cases, you can't even trace 
anybody who was there to tell you what actually happened when you didn't have your brain with you, mm. right? So that's why today's uh, episode and those solutions are very, very important. So why is it that it's limited? Just a very small snippet. There are brain scans that show that the, the areas associated with language in our brain, right, which is the prefrontal cortex, are completely shut down when we are in trauma time and in traumatic experiences. Oh, okay. So you can't rely on talking to a person because their part of the brain there is just not online. So you have to deal with the parts of the brain that are actually online, which is more the, the part where we have the emotional side of things and no words. That's why expressive arts therapy. Mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and, and that probably explains why there's a lot of people who are not for talking, not for therapy, not for talking about their pain, right, their struggles. I, I think there are a lot of people who are just not comfortable talking about it. They would avoid it at all costs and to a point of even thinking that therapy will not work, any form of therapy. And I think that's because we have very limited understanding of what therapy mean, means, and as you mentioned, Alan, that is why it's important to have expressive art therapy, right, Devi? Yeah. Well, what are the mm. things available out there, right? Mm. And 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 not just talk therapy, but also, um, how about medication, right? There are people who are not for talking. Like, I don't want to get into the deep stuff and and talking about my problems or my struggles or my trauma. Just give me the mm. pills. And they they think there are a lot of people who actually think that medication can work. Yeah. We talked about that in the previous episode, about how that's not necessarily the case. Well, you know, it, it medication can help, right? Mm. Because even in naturopathy, you know, we do use medication, mm. but they usually, you know, work with acute cases, right? Acute ah. issues. So we do use, um, you know, modern medicine and medication sometimes to just, you know, relieve some pain like Panadol. That's that's okay, right? Or, you know, if you have like a broken limb or you have a, a serious accident, like you've been involved in a car accident, you lost a lot of blood, you, you know, you want to go mm -hmm. to... Allopathic. Yeah, allopathic. Doctor, or, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and then also maybe take some some medication for it, mm, right? But yeah. most of the time when we're talking, because we're talking about chronic issues here, especially like long-term pain. Yeah. And that most of it, we don't actually have a root cause, right? We mm. don't even have that that identifiable physical cause. So, you know, when you're just taking all these pills, it actually comes with a lot of side effects. I think, you know, you know this, right, Amy? I think a lot of people know this. Yeah. And, you know, with that side effects, then usually doctors then will recommend you or prescribe you another medicine to counteract that, which mm. also have their own side effects. And these are not good side effects, like when you go on a detox or things like that, okay? These mm. are negative side effects, right? Yeah, mm. yeah. They can even cause terminal illness for you. They can cause failures of your organs. Mm. Um, yeah, or yeah. addiction. Yeah. Addiction to the drug itself. And I, I've seen this firsthand many times over with people I love, people, you know, my friends and relatives you know so it's kind of like creating a toxic cycle of taking the medicine being addicted to the medicine but you're also you're taking the medicine thinking that you're eliminating or reducing the problem or the pain but you're also actually accumulating the side effects yeah yeah and, and i've yeah. heard from from people uh themselves first-hand experience uh from friends and family who have tried medication mm where they say it made them feel numb after some time. Like, okay, not, they don't feel the overwhelming sadness anymore or overwhelming pain anymore, mm. but it doesn't make them feel joy as well. Yeah, right, it's right. It's kind of like takes away, it, it just rubs away all emotions that a human can have in a way. Yeah, and so that's yeah. yeah. And so that's why through my own personal experience, buying from other people's experiences, I've also mm. decided to not make it my first choice in a way. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Right, mm. right. And I think Devi, you also have a good a good amount of experience of using medication. 
Oh, uh, not not really using medication, but I mean, I've had I've had experience definitely um, seeing psycho a psychiatrist first of all, right? When I had mm. some mental issues and 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 chronic pain, and this was in the states. So I had uh, I had a job, and you know, I had I had insurance to cover for it. The company was paying for it, so I got pretty good. Um, how do you say? Pretty good treatment, right? Like good. Um, Golden standard, basically. You're, you're not getting a subpar version of whatever. You're just getting what there is out there at that time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's in California. Mm. It's not like right. in Wisconsin or, I'm, I'm, yeah, you know, I don't know where Wisconsin is, but you get my drift. <laughs> in yeah. a place where you think healthcare could be better. Yeah, yeah. and something it's, like that. And, and I think compared to 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 here, you know, it, it was better. Like there were definitely um, uh, more people with more knowledge and better skills, you know, and yet it didn't help. Like looking back, I think I've spoken to both of you a lot about this, right? Looking back, if I knew then what I know now, mm. I felt like I've lost quite a chunk of period in my time. You know, sure, I function very well and, uh, you know, I, I was performing, right? But is that is that a successful treatment that I became highly functional and you know good in in my performance in in at mm. work? I'm not sure. It serves everybody else but you. Basically, you're a yeah. good citizen. You consume. You pay your taxes and you do things, but you do not have any meaningful experience of life. Right. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not yeah. a definition of well-being. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my my real needs were not met, right? And I think I think Amy, you have the same or similar experience here though in in Kota Kinabalu, right? Yeah, like I mentioned, um when I first wanted to find out more or understand more about what's going on with me, why am I feeling all this internal struggle and pain? Um mm. I may not have Uh, any physical pain that I could identify back then. But yeah, I was always having gut issues, migraine issues. Mm. And and yeah. I now that I look back, like, ah, oh, all of those things, my eating patterns, my, my lifestyle, all of these mm. things, they, they really affect each other. And when I started going into it a couple of years back, I went into the more normal or mainstream psychiatrist, psychology ways of doing things. I went to a public healthcare, public mm. healthcare, and and I, after a couple of visits, I felt like I didn't get, like this doesn't feel like it. Uh, I thought that making that move, going to a psychiatrist, was yeah. like the best decision ever. But why is it coming out of her office every time? I, I think there were a couple of psychiatrists that I went to. It never mm. felt like it was enough to help mm. me with the issues that I'm dealing with. Mm. And I think yeah. it wasn't until I got more into holistic uh, health and not, you know, looking at health in a more diverse perspective, I would yeah. say, rather yeah. than just one lane kind of, like sick, go to the doctor, sick, go to the hospital. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until then that I realized I was able to release a lot of stuff. Mm. I'm not sure if that's going to make sense to our, the audience listening because it's something that you need to experience, right? To 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 know or even to understand. Yeah. yeah. I'm still learning to find my language around this. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I think I think you like me. We were quickly, you know, uh, were prescribed uh, medication, right? Yep, yep. Or were yeah. offered uh, a prescription uh, medication. So yeah, yeah. That's usually, yeah, that's usually what happened, you know. So mm. yeah. Yeah. Mm. So why do we bring up uh, expressive art therapy, right? Mm. <laughs> Because our brain, you know, is a complex organ, and it needs certain kinds of nutrition, right? That is not just your chemical kind of nutrition that you ingest. It also needs some kind of workouts and experience because it developed itself continuously as a result of the experiences that we have, mm -hmm. right? And just to simplify things, we have a left brain and a, and a right brain. 
But if we're constantly just focusing on on being smart, we're doing what Devi was was doing. We're being high functioning. Mm. We're being org- organizational. We're being very matter of factly and all that. But we actually neglect pretty much half of, of, of our life, right? Which is to engage with the right brain, which is the more creative side. And creative doesn't mean that it's just something that is irrelevant for most adults, right? We need to be creative. Even if you're a trader, right? And you have high stress dealing with what choices of stocks to buy and sell. You, you need to be creative. Yeah, you're yeah. a lawyer. You need to make a case for a person, whether that person actually did what they're supposed to be proven guilty of or not. Like mm. every day in our life, in our interactions, we always need to be creative because otherwise mm-hmm. we just get what we o- always had. Yeah. And expressive art therapy is helping us to connect the left and the right brain. Because they need to work together. They're not isolated islands. Yeah. 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 So integration, right? Yeah. And um, nonverbal methods, right? I mean, that's what we're onto. Like things that are integrative. And that's what expressive arts therapy is. And that's what we're talking about that here. Because a lot of people, I know a lot of people out there who are also like me. Like, I'm not the only one that actually need a non-verbal method. You know, I don't, you know, talk therapy and, you know, all these uh, cognitive, you know, behavioral changes and all this coaching. It just, it doesn't work for, for, for people like me. Yeah. So I think that's definitely important. I just want to share a quote here, right? The most powerful medicine quote-unquote, on the medicine, that we know of to heal the whole person on physical, vital, mental, emotional, psychic, and spiritual levels, right? That's Mm. art, or that's expressive art, that's using art to heal. Okay, now, this statement might sound too good to be true, right? It's, It's such a bold statement, but it doesn't come from me. It comes from a physician, a medical doctor, right, Michael Samuels, and also a registered nurse, uh, Mary Rockwood Lane. So they, they wrote the book he- Healing with the Arts. It's actually a program as well. And between the two of them, you know, they have more than 60 years of dedicated experience in healthcare, but also in arts, using arts in, in medicine field. Mm. Right. The thing is, I think most people have quite a narrow view of what art is. Like when I say art, what comes to mind, guys? Or if you imagine asking just, you know, the typical folks around you here. Throwing some paint on a canvas. (laughs) Like it has to be uh, visual. Right. Yeah, exactly. So like painting and drawing. Not that those those things are not art. We're saying that we our understanding of art is limited to yes. very boxy understanding. Quite narrow, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so right. it's something that to be hung, to be exhibited on the wall, mm. right? As as decoration or at, at best, if it's better than just a decoration, it's a collection, right? But it's it's not. It's not. Mm, I think mm. I think when we want to use art to heal, we kind of need to change this narrow perception, right? Because then you're limiting the purpose or the capacity of this element, right? This art. Yeah, it's quite a materialistic definition that we have, which is the same thing that a biomedical model has. It just wants to mm. look at things in a certain way. Yeah. Right? Physical as well, right? Mm-mm. But the thing is, I don't know, I think partly it's because we have, a lot of us have also been disembodied. We're not dead, we're alive, but we're disembodied. It means we kind of lost that connection with our body. And we lost uh, the, the ability to have that inner sensing, which is really, really important, right? We've discussed mm. it in the last episodes as well. But so we forget, we have forgotten that art is everywhere literally when i when you say art 
And it should be in everything. Yeah, yeah naturally, as human mm. beings, it's in the mind, it is, it's in the spirit, it's in the energy. I mean, art is limitless. It's borderless even. Okay, mm-hmm. so I think, um, yeah, this, this is a very important, how would you call it, awareness or perception to have, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes this, this art a, a powerful um, healing tool. And not just a healing tool, it's for growth. So I think it was Mel Robbins. I was listening to her. She said, you know why people feel that they're stuck and they don't grow? Because they have stopped learning. Mm. So if you don't grow, you're not learning. Or Mm. somehow, somehow you have lost the ability. Maybe it's not even conscious, but somehow you've lost, you thought you've lost the ability or the desire to learn. Picture yourself asking your mom. It's like, mom, you want to go back to college or you want to start learning this? You know, what would she say? That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Don't be silly. Sudah Don't tua be silly. Pun, right? Yeah. Sudah tua, what are you talking about? Yeah. Preposterous. They yeah, always yeah. go back to like, yeah, I'm old. They say As that if, about like, my haircut. Oh, okay. <laughs> so unimaginative. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're too old for that haircut, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right. And that's why a lot of people feel stuck because they're not learning anymore. Yeah, because that curiosity is not encouraged. Correct. Right? Yeah. Yeah. When you stop learning, then you kind of stop being open and curious, Curious. right? The two keywords that's that's really needed in in, in in having a holistic lifestyle as well. And just to drive that home, right? If I tell Mm. you curiosity, tell me the first proverb that comes to mind related to curiosity <laughs> curiosity killed a cat right <laughs> you don't have to think Sad. very long that's discouraging right yeah yeah don't do it curiosity is bad yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so we have been systematically mm. brainwashed i believe so yes yeah. i believe so our ability to heal have actually been diminished. Stunted. Yeah, stunted, diminished. Some of us have actually completely lost that ability and it's just so sad. Actually, it's making me want to tear up right now just thinking Mm. about that. I get emotional because, um, you know, I see uh, like what Alan likes to say, you know, lost opportunity. It's a missed opportunity, yeah. Missed, missed opportunity. And it's not about just our own healing. I guess that's what makes me sad. It's about, it's about, you know, not having this, losing this ability to heal yourself means you also lose the ability to help others. You see, the people around you, because it starts with you, right? So if you lose the ability to, to help, you know, the things around you, then that's 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 why when we look around here, you know, we see our environment. And in our last episodes, we talk about how important ecosomatic is, right? Our ecology, our environment is for our yeah, healing, yeah. especially when we're dealing with uh, a hard-to-deal illness and chronic pain. Anyway, I'm I'm going on and on here. I think. no, but so, I mean, you know, like I I sometimes listen to Rich Roll, right, and what he quoted in some mm. of his interviews, going through his own hardships and and challenges, mm. yeah, is uh, Henry Forel who was saying that most people live a life of quiet desperation. Mm. This is yeah. like when when you stop being curious, everything around you just withers and dies. Yeah. Yeah. And you just desperately survive. Yeah, yeah. We, we're functional, but that's not saying much. That's not life. Yeah, mm. and, and how that relates to what we are trying to say or the message that we want to drive home in this episode, how to relate that to pain, is that a lot of the ways that we have been conditioned to think, right, have mm. limited us from thinking that there are other ways to deal with things from even wanting to know yeah. if there are other ways to deal with things from even right. wanting to know if there is another way of 
of uh, dealing with the waste we produce, right? Or how yeah. we how our lifestyle is impacting the planet. Exactly. So, and these are things we can see. So mm. what more to say about the things that we can't see that's on the inside, right? Like, mm. I mean, these, these planetary scale problems are actually going to require creative solutions. Mm, yeah, right? yeah. And, and, and I believe that starts with how we deal with our internal universe, right? Like how we are dealing yeah. with this body. So, yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to relate what we are talking about, what we're saying about curiosity and how that limits our options yeah. or knowing, our knowing of how other ways to deal with pain. Like, because this happened to me as well. I used to have a very limited understanding or perspective of art. Mm. I never saw it as a healing tool. So I think for a lot of people also listening to this episode right now, they're thinking like, ah, so art can be an expressive therapy. Art can be a healing tool. Like mm. how? Yeah. yeah, and then the expressive part, right? Just to to explain why is it not just art therapy? Is expressive means that we want to have a whole panel of different tools because not everybody is able to express in the same way using different formats. So we want to mm. have a few things to play with rather than being stuck because it's not always going to be useful if we force somebody to use only one modality, mm. right? Especially if they've been exposed to, to traumatic experiences where control was taken away from them. Also, what's important is to connect to what we said before is in a lot of these conditions that are mind-body related, there is an issue relating to the ability to express. Like, for example, some of these issues can have a gender bias. Like, for example, fibromyalgia is three to one mm. biased towards um, males, I guess, because males have less of fibromyalgia and women have more. But is, isn't that something that we can connect to a systemic issue of women not being tolerated when they want to express in certain ways? Mm. Like raging for a woman is not something that is tolerable or acceptable. Right. Whereas for yeah. a guy, when, when a guy actually wants to beat someone up or whatever, then people will also say, yeah, you know, boys will be boys. But there's no such thing for, for women. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think I just retweeted something about this. There's this fixed mentality that women or girls should always be smiley and friendly. And when <laughs> she's stating her boundaries, she's rude. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. where is that steam going to go? If it cannot go out, exactly. it's going to go yeah, yeah. in, Oof. right? And turn yeah. against the host. Which is our body. Mm. Not a lot of people see it that way, can? Right. We're yeah. heels hoping. Fortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Here's hoping that more will after yeah. listening to this episode. Yeah. Right. So, right? Debbie, take us for a quick tour of mm. what's you know available. What other things? Yeah. What other things are to be considered um, art, not just painting? Right. Yeah. Let's talk about the pillars, right, or the elements of art in medicine, or art as healing tool and art as therapy. So there's visual arts, right, which painting, drawing, but it also includes photography, films, sculpture, mm. right? Also digital images, right? And then there's literary Not multimedia, arts. right? Because nobody used that word anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do we still use that word? I don't know. I don't think but so. Since 2000, it's not so cool anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then there's uh, literary arts, Right. So journaling, creative writing, poetry, theater, one of my favorites. Mm. And then there's sound and music. And when I say sound and music, I don't mean just playing instruments like piano and violins. OK, because those are the two primary traumatizing experiences in children. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It was a very violin and piano. Yeah. Pretty. Yeah. I, think for, I think for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so I think for a lot of yeah. parents, then, yeah, yeah, a lot of kids are, were traumatized. <laughs> so it's not about just playing those two instruments, right? Just playing instruments, anything, anything that can, there's hundreds, thousands of different instruments out there that we haven't explored, right? Exactly. I mean, curiosity is non-discriminative, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it also means listening, just listening, listening to music. Uh, making playlists, right, to share uh, with other people. That's even better because you're making playlists, again, to serve others, right? So it's a relational practice. 
Exactly. Mm. It's a it's very healing, right? Bessel van der Kolk mm. also talk about this. Mixtapes, anyone? <laughs> Mixtapes, yeah. I think we kind of can do that also um, on Spotify, on yeah. apps like Spotify. Like, yeah. You create playlists that are very discoverable <laughs> for other people. <laughs> right, right. Mm. So we practice this like in conscious dance, in Nia technique, we do this. And then there's also chanting, right? Mm. That's part of sound healing. It is so powerful, the vibration. I don't know if you've been in a in a chanting circle. It's so beautiful. And sound bath. Sound bath means like using bowls, bells, gongs. You know, it's amazing. And we hope that we can actually offer. We have all the tools, actually. We have all the gongs and things like that. But since COVID, mm. we weren't able to provide that. So hopefully soon. So Crossing everybody fingers. tune in. <laughs> tune in, yeah. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> and of course, one of our favorites, drumming, drum mm. circle. That one we've been we've been doing for how long, Alan? Drum out loud. I can't for, remember now. <laughs> for fi- I'll five have years. to ask Google Photos where it was the yeah, start. The beginning. Four yeah. or five yeah. years, yeah. So we've been doing that and it's it's wonderful having people together. Then the other pillar is dance. Of course, dance and movement. All forms of dancing, yoga, cere- uh, ceremonial dance and movements, right? Mm. Even choreographed rituals. Like what you see in in India, you see this a lot in Bali as well. It happens every day, a few times a day. You mm. know, people are in 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 a choreograph rituals. They know exactly where they need to put their hands and things like that. The difference is, even though they're choreographed, right? There's and when intention. I say there's intention and there's mindfulness, mm. there's spirituality, and it's not about competing it's not about looking good or being sharp with your movements <laughs> yeah it's, so it's yeah, not about yeah. performing only mm, right mm. it's very holistic it's very whole wholesome and then there's like other forms of art that you know in the art world we tend to look down upon maybe not look down upon but disregard them as arts but they're just as powerful as as any other types of arts like cooking mm. cooking is an art Gardening. I've just started gardening just because of COVID, you know. It's a powerful tool for healing. Um, It gets us connected with the earth. And then there's things like crafting, even things like decorating your house. Basically anything that brings beauty or, you know, something pleasing into your living space. So you're surrounding yourself with that, right? So recently, mm. I just want to share uh, how I saw my my sister, Shita. She was decorating the house for Christmas with lights and, and, and putting up the Christmas tree. And I just could see how her face just lit up. I haven't seen that in a while. And that is definitely healing, putting joy back in the body, bringing her mm. back to childhood memories, you know, because it's been kind of tough. Uh, this mm. last couple of years uh, for mm. us, right? Being separate, yeah. being separated from family, and because um, I want people to understand, you know, how very simple things can be healing. So something as simple as arranging your gifts under the tree for other people, or or setting up an altar for yourself, putting all those different stones, different rocks, just for you, right? So those those are the pillars, guys. Yeah, it's like beauty in the small things, and that just yeah. um, um, in in my house, somebody requested to watch a movie, so we 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 actually watched the Last Samurai of all things. Yes, I know Tom Cruise, but <laughs> whatever. But basically, right. it was basically a a, a a picture of Japan where you actually saw that before the westernization came into the rural areas, people in every single moment and aspect of their life, they were always trying to find one step closer to perfection in a mindful way, not in a performing way, not in a show-off kind of way, but just being connected to your own personal artful way of organizing your life, Mm. of making things more more mindful. The spaces are mindful, the activities are mindful, the interactions are mindful. And everything yeah. takes a different pace. But mm. 
that all came down crashing when, when westernization came there and then there's railroads and everything is just towards the path of convenience, speed, accessibility and all this, you know? Mm. Uh, I'm quoting Japan because I think a lot of people can relate when you think of Japan, you can, you can see that the art is in every single little thing. But I yeah. think we all the cultures actually had that aspect. We yeah, just forgot. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we need to bring back. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. Like we said, systematically demolished <laughs> or discouraged even from thinking that we should invest in art at all. When 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 now we are learning, right? And hopefully we can slowly bring it back to our society that it's a very important element in our life that we need to bring some focus on even with the kids and it's and this is so important because a lot of people still think it's not something that we need to take seriously mm. it's, it's childish right right even yeah. an activity as simple as painting or drawing yeah. yeah i mean that is because we don't actually really pay attention to it is we're dismissing it again because mm. if you think about it um, I remember me and your two boys, Amy, were, we were mm. actually interacting and having a, just a regular play session that was completely improvised. And we were just rolling on the floor and figuring out how to, how to roll better, just like they would in Aikido and stuff like that. And we, we, yeah. we had a blast. But on top of that, think about it. When you're actually doing this supposedly uh, silly activity for any grown-up that wears a tie and, you know, has a very uh, high-functioning job. They would look mm. at this and just snicker and just say, huh, that's not very smart. But when you think about it, think about all of the areas of your brain that actually have to cooperate for this to happen. Yeah. You actually have to understand your interoception, what's going on inside your body, your exteroception, how do I sense the environment around me? How is the proprioception? How do I keep my balance? And then on top of that, I have to actually contend with another person. How do I attach? How do I attune with that person? How do I guide them? How do I show my presence? How do I show my support? Can you think of how many areas of the brain are actually lighting up yeah. Working together like, as a whole. Yeah. To create creative solutions at that moment. Yeah. If you're listening and cramming for your university exams, I don't think there's that many areas of your brain that are actually lighting up. So <laughs> nope. we need to rewrite the stories that we tell ourselves about what makes us smart. Yeah. Because a person that has the ability to connect all of these areas of their brain are definitely going to be more attuned to their environment and to whatever challenges that they're going to be exposed to mm. hence mm. hence they will be able to heal right yeah heal themselves right yeah so yeah so i think that's that's why you know art heals right and what it means and how is that it works with any kind of illness the physical illness the mental illness the emotional issues I mean, you name it, right? Like Alan, like life crisis. So I'm just putting names so people can actually relate, right? So whatever illness, what Alan was was talking about just now, all those uh, sparks and activities in the brain, this is what it is, right? Grief and loss, of course, trauma, personal growth, right? Expressive arts therapy help with that, spiritual growth, Community, collective growth, as well as individual growth. And like we say before, if there's no growth, there's no healing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for the benefit of our audience, we understand that we have very limited way of defining art and creativity. And we understand how that affects our life. Are we saying that art can heal our pain? That's been proven mm. many times over that different types actually can decrease your sensation of pain, the anxiety and the depression that can actually go with it. And these can be for different kinds of conditions because art therapy and expressive art therapies is usually studied around not the, just the chronic pain, but also pain that you know where it comes from. For example, cancer mm. is the main area where pain has been studied. And mm. they have been they have been showing that people have better outcomes when they're exposed to art therapies inside the ward or outside when they're just being taken care of in their own environment. All of this actually plays a big role just in improving 
how your treatment is, but also how you experience it and how you can still connect to your ability to enjoy your, your life and draw another meaning. Because one thing that I, I find sometimes is that we, we tend to have those very um, war kind of related pictures in our mind and wording around, yes, around disease. As in like, you know, you're fighting an enemy that you have to kill. Like we have yeah. to kill the virus. We have to kill the disease. We have to go in there and extract it, cut a piece of you just mm. to make sure that the rest continues to live. Whereas what's missing is just, it, this is not about killing one another and, and ourselves. It, it's about living in harmony with what's there. Yeah. The dis-ease, the opposite of that, how do you eliminate dis-ease is by finding what brings us back to ease. Mm. So it's not Absolutely. about this idea that you have to annihilate something. It's just that you have to find how to work with what's there. Mm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And sometimes yeah. it's yeah. meaning that's very important. That's something that I'm very, very, very passionate about. But the meaning that we draw out of something is, is very important because Nietzsche said that, you know, he who has a why can find any way to deal with the how. Mm. And that can be in the context of pain. It's like, if I know why I'm actually dealing with this pain, I'll be much more willing. And then pain sometimes become, becomes irrelevant because sometimes it also gives us this idea that we've accomplished something, that we have grown, that we have, uh, uh, that we have overcome and achieved being better and bigger than what we thought we could. Mm. Right? right? Rather than being stuck in this image of uh, inability, of, of being weak, of being conquered by this external thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so even though healing with arts, with arts therapy, does not mean always curing completely, right? It's not about eliminating disease. It's not about fighting cancer, right? It's about thriving mm. despite of cancer, Thriving is part of the pain, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think it was Alan who mentioned, uh, maybe it was somewhere in our pre-intros in one of those episodes that we did. Oh, we did so many episodes already. Good job, guys. Just on pain. Just on pain <laughs> alone, we've done a few, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, about how we think that pain or any unpleasant experiences in life, actually, including death, is something that we need to get rid of, is something that we need to fight against, that's somehow conditioned into our system to believe that that's it. Mm. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, as, as a result of that, I honestly, for myself, I, I can't even know if this is something that I came up with or I read somewhere. I actually mm. looked it online, so, like, I don't know if somebody said it before me, but to me, it just came out to me when I was thinking about all, all these people having um, really debilitating conditions, you know, and a lot of them are just scared to die. But the reality to me is that at the, the moment that you actually accept this container of life, the minute mm. that you realize that you are going to die at some point, we don't know when or how, but it is going to happen, then once we have accepted that idea of death, then only can we start living. Mm. Mm -hmm. Before that, we are not. It's just like imagine the container of a child who is seeing the parents leave from the room. All the child can do inside that container of the room is look at the door and try and see if it can open it and if the parents are going to come back in. But there's a point at which us as the child, if we realize the size of that container, then we can start playing in that container instead of being so focused on going out. Hmm. Yeah. So why do we talk about meaning? Because it's inevitable that when you do art, without even the intention of getting mm. meaning at some point, the, the meaning will emerge by itself. You will look at your drawings, you will look at your movements, you will look at your patterns, you will look at all the things that you've experienced, and then you start making connections because that's what our brain is made to do mm. connections right. with ourselves and with others. And that's why with the plethora of different tools that there are out there, you learn to reconnect with yourself because that's the yeah. one person that you're always going to have no matter what. But you also 
learn how to make connections with other people, mm. right? And and that's why the different modalities that Devi mentioned, right? Some of them are very mostly internal, right? Like like doing some pastel nagumi art, you're going to be kind of in the zone, playing with your fingers, feeling the texture of the paper of and the all paper, this. Yeah. But mm. if you actually jump next week and, and come for a drum circle, it's still expressive arts therapies, but it's a totally different experience that's going to integrate different parts of your brain because suddenly right. you're actually moving with other people. You're shaking with them. You're actually doing things together and you find in that synchronicity that we actually really need because when we didn't have that growing up, sometimes that can really be a problem when we become adult because we don't have the tools to be able to interact and, and vibe with people around us. Right. Because we never get to explore the other parts of our brain. Or never light them up, right? When yeah. you're scared, you can't be curious. Mm. Therefore, you stop learning and you stop growing. <laughs> and you right? stop healing. Yeah, yeah. And, and Alan mentioned yes. the Nagomi art. And I can mm. give my first experience with that. Like I remember having uh, conversations with other participants of the Nagomi art workshop. Mm. I think it was Trisha. And I was saying like... I'm one of those people who have always believed that I'm not good in art. Mm. And and I never bothered exploring that field because I was told many times growing up that mm. art needed to be a certain way and that only people who have the talent can do it, you know, right. its own artists. So there was very limiting belief. And upon going into that workshop, doing what I did in there with my kids, I had the opportunity mm. of doing that with the kids and Shita yeah. was there teaching us. And it was fascinating. I was fascinated with the results or yeah. even with the process. Even the process was just if there's intention in there, like, and if there is less pressure to want to control the outcome. Mm. I think that was it. <laughs> I think yeah. that was what really um, helped me connect and see how useful and how very teachable and learnable it is actually yeah um art and did you expect that your adrenaline and cortisol fueled children would be able to sit down and do it <laughs> i didn't but they sat through yeah two creating two art pieces which each took like what an hour 30 minutes yeah yeah oh, layer long. upon layer upon layer right yeah yeah and yeah. then we go thinking that oh, they're not going to be able to do it yeah. They're, they're not that type. They're not artsy. <laughs> yeah, right? But that's yeah. that's what curiosity and openness is about. It's just allowing potential different outcomes, right? Yeah. You need to create a new proverb. Curiosity <laughs> didn't kill the cat. No, it didn't. <laughs> it made the cat go places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? And discover new things. Yeah. And I think I'd like to make that... Uh, uh, t-shirt out of your quote alan yeah once we accept that we are going to die we can finally start living mm. i think it's an important uh, nice quote i'll check on it so i can trademark it to you <laughs> owe me some royalties <laughs> yeah and accept so, and by accepting when we are going to die it's not like wishing that we are going to die no. no like people let's all accept that there are two things in life that we can't um, run away from yeah we can't I think control somebody, said that. somebody famous said that it's death and taxes paying taxes <laughs> right and like death is inevitable and i think mm. people being afraid of death or fearing death are like what we were talking about just now trying to control the outcome mm. trying to have control over something yeah and that's what's just making the pressure even worse yeah and yeah. I think life's better for it because if I know I don't have eternity with you, mm. I will treasure whatever I have. Every True. moment, yeah. We'll be it becomes more. precious. True. We'll definitely be able to authentically connect, right, with everything yeah. better. Yeah. And heal and grow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what's the free... No cost. Wow. Thing. Okay. This is going to be a challenge to say very quickly, but basically the one thing that, that we can have most of the time is ourself. Mm. 
And so it's mm -hmm. good to have a place Always where accessible. we can... <laughs> Well, yeah, not every part to of you, the brain, but <laughs> it depends. Well, yeah. if you, sometimes if you're, you know, having a discussion with your beloved, <laughs> it can go sideways and you don't have access to all your parts of your brain. But assuming that you do, right, you can always have a little notepad. You can do it on your phone, but I find that it's less um, intentional. The effect is different, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something tactile and special about it, which is why people haven't given up the idea of having books, right? Pen Even and though paper. our smartphones are amazing, yeah, yeah. right? And um, it's important to to have that relation with self because without knowing it, we're we're actually having a conversation, even though it's still us and the journal. But the reading and the writing are actually different parts of the brain. There were actually some amazing cases in what in which uh, somebody had some kind of um, uh, brain injury in which they forgot how to read but they could still write, which is totally mind-boggling for me. Like, mm. and and the funny part, okay, that's to the side, but the funny part is they could sense, they could sense who the letter was from, even though they could not read the letters. They could not tell you what the letters were on, on the letter, right from but they could still know who it was from. So parts of the brain were just rewired in a strange way, which uh, just explodes my mind every time. Mm. But our connection with a journal is, is a way to have a communication with ourself in a way that's maybe less uh, intimidating than having a mindfulness experience. Because for a lot of people, it can be triggering to have to face their own thoughts with their eyes closed and no sound and all this. But when we're actually writing down, it doesn't feel as triggering. Mm so to speak, mm. right? And we can do it in many, many different environments. And that allows us to actually um, kind of become our own historian, where later we can actually yeah. take stock of the things and then see the progress. Because the thing that's actually missing most of the time is we can make progress, but if we don't actually spend time to jot it down, we're not going to have anything to look back to say, well, this is where I was one year ago. And oh boy, did I make progress, but I wouldn't have known otherwise. Right. Right. I yeah. used to journal as a child when I was 10, 11, 12, and I would write every time there was a conflict in the house. I grew up in a very um, domestic abusive home. Yeah. And I think I turned out kind of okay. <laughs> mm. I mean, I, it, it wasn't oh, yeah. so bad. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think I'm, I turned out to be, it turned out to be so impactful or traumatic for me to the point of being um, dysfunctional in my life. I think I managed to function um, in some ways to be able to get to where I am today. And I think me being able to journal, me being able to express that, and I really love my diary. Yeah. Like my mother scolds me or there's an argument in the house and I was just like, dear diary, my parents are fighting again. And it was, I find it fascinating too to be able to go back um, after like two decades mm. and read back and oh that's how I my mind worked as a child that's yeah. precious yeah. I wish I had yeah. journals dating from back in those times and whatnot that would be really cool to have yeah and yeah. it's kind of that friend sometimes when you're in a in a home where no one really gets you that's what saves you yeah yeah like just writing dear diary already made you feel like you have someone to mm. vent out to, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm definitely going to force that on the kids. <gasps> <laughs> and traumatize them. Okay. Good one. That was a joke for anybody who's listening. And Yeah. We don't want to make it traumatic, right? Then they're going to hate it. And I'm going to hate me for that. <laughs> I was like, is she yeah. actually saying that on air? <laughs> in the same sentence? <laughs> Okay, yeah. that's where I'm supposed to laugh, right? Okay, frontal lobe online. <laughs> <laughs> Just checking in. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, the process of remembering, right? Mm. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much it, right? We could we could talk hours and hours on this and maybe we will, yeah. but just just not yet. Right now, we just... Just not on the podcast. Yeah, I hope. <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe in different cut-up sections and whatever. But uh, we, we also mm. promise that, you know, there, there is life, there is death. And, you know, the solutions for pain is going to come to an end. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right? Boundaries. Exactly. So, 
um, yeah, we hope that all of this is, is useful. If you if you mm-hmm. actually want to put a drawing in your journal as well, do it. You know, like yeah. the, there was a story of a kid who was drawing to explain to himself the idea of what what 9-11 was to him, right? And that actually mm-hmm. helped him to process. It's just a tool. So be, be creative and just use whatever you have. Whatever it is, just whatever use it. Whatever is accessible to you. Yeah, yes, yeah, and yeah. use it regularly. As long as you're not harming other people and your body, yourself. Right? So do let us know what do you think of not only this entire episode. We really hope you have listened to or going to listen to, if you haven't already, our other episodes talking about pain. Because even for us, we feel like these are really uh, precious information that we want that has helped us in our life and will hopefully help you in yours and continue it's not like this is our final episode ever (laughs) we'll definitely go on to talk about other things and but one thing we remain hopeful for is that you will find all of the things that we talk about relatable Mm. yay (laughs) you said it it. (laughs) right right. yeah on that note Mm-hmm. Uh, check us out on uh, Spotify, Anchor, and the Apple Podcast, and also on KK12 FM 89.5 if you are in KK every Monday and Friday. Kota yeah, mm-hmm. Every Monday and Friday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And uh, until the next episode, this is Likuliku. Likuliku. Out. Out.